What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. After Dark podcast is sponsored by the Charm City Craft Mafia, Baltimore's best local craft fair, presenting Holiday Heat Craft Show back in person on the first Saturday of December, featuring handmade stationery, apparel, jewelry, ceramics, wall art, body care, small batch food gifts, and more. Crafted by makers in the Baltimore and the region. Holiday Heat will be on December 4th, 2021 from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2640 St. Paul Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21218. You will see us there, No Picks After Dark, doing live interviews as well from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. For more information, please go to CharmCityCraftMafia.com and on Instagram and Facebook at CharmCityCraftMafia. No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun and free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www dot openworksbmore.org or instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules membership options and more welcome to the no picks after dark podcast i'm your host aaron dante ladies and gentlemen we have an amazing show for you today i first noticed this guy that's coming on our show on tv he's always on tv you know, and I always admired what he was doing. Thought he was always amazing, you know, telling the stories every day. And I looked at him like, you know, it's inspirational to see this guy doing amazing things in my city. And he looked kind of like me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the channel in the morning time. And I'm a morning person, so I love watching the morning news. So I said, like, you know what? Let me see if I figure I can get him on the show. So I saw him like one of my pictures in, uh, you know, Instagram. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is the chance right now. And we reached out. We spoke. And then we saw each other again at the Live Baltimore birthday party. And that was so exciting. I was like, hey, I ran up to him. I was like, hey, I'm Aaron. I'm the one, you know. And I was probably talking a million words a minute. <laughs> and I was so excited to speak to Mr. Jason Newton. And it was just amazing to talk with somebody who's doing, doing, doing a walk, doing a talk, and making things happen in Baltimore. And without further ado, Mr. Jason Newton from WBL-TV, how are you? I'm well, but you know that I was excited to see you. I mean, before, I mean, truth be told, like you said, I was I was Instagram stalking like I do with everyone. It's like, who is this guy in this podcast? And everything I saw, I mean, pictures alone uh, were a taste of home. And then to hear some of the stuff that was online, um, I knew that you were about it. Like, you were about the city. Like, this wasn't a money grab. This was to let people hear some stories of our town that they don't hear every day. And that's appreciated for me because I, I love a good story. 
Well, I appreciate you coming on No Picks Her Dark. I really am. Yeah, I feel like I'm fan. I'm like a fangirl. <laughs> like, God, you know, but uh, we it's just really awesome that, you know, we made this happen finally. Yeah, no doubt. Um, always tell people good things come to those who wait. And so we're going to make this happen. Have an awesome interview today. Yeah, man. Let's do it. So let's get my audience, my audience from all over, from Baltimore to D.C. to Philly to New York. And tell people a little bit about you. Are you from Baltimore originally? I see. I mean, what? what oh, you know, the, you know, I, I got see, this. I had to bring I the city it. college jacket, the city college ring. I'm, I'm, man, I'm a Baltimore boy. Uh, grew up. Uh, people familiar in Northwest Baltimore, Howard Park area. So if you know where uh, Forest Park Golf Golf Course is, I was thrown off of there many a times playing wiffle ball on the fairway, which I had no idea that was a wrong thing to do as a kid. <laughs> um, and and you know my grandparents. I mean everyone in my family is from here, uh, and it has been a joy to come back home because you don't really get to do it in media that often. Um, so uh, born in West Baltimore, went to Roland Park Elementary, Middle School, went to City uh, for high school, and then off to Maryland for for college. Um, and like I said, you know, I did TV in about in two other markets before Baltimore and the chance to come back, um, and your parents get to see you working and your cousins and your, you know, I, I run into people from second grade, man, uh, who I thought I would never see again. Wow. Um, and to reconnect and see how similar our lives are now, it's, it's, I couldn't ask for more. So hold on to that second grade thing. Okay. Right. I always ask every guest this question. Okay. What is your favorite childhood memory growing up? Ah. Uh, my, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I think my favorite memory growing up, I would stay at my grandparents after school. Okay. So we go there. My grandparents are 2100 of Pressbury Street, and they had this uh, wall, this rock wall. Uh, and all the older cousins could climb it and walk on it. And I was always, I'm the youngest grandkid, while well, I still am. Um, and I could not get up on top of that wall. And the day that I did, man, I was like the king of the world. Uh, <laughs> and so those afternoons at my grandparents' house, uh, seeing my grandparents, um, they're retired at that point. Um, they were loving watching all the grandkids, uh, you know, hearing their stories. My Uncle Donald come home and have my, he would call my pay ready. It was a bunch of coins and stuff like that. That shaped me. Uh, that made me understand how important family uh, really is. I love hearing that. I love hearing yeah. those stories. Now, you brought it back because my family, um, a lot of my family in West and East Baltimore, and now you got me thinking about, so this is illegal what I was doing back in the day. It was funny. <laughs> but we there was a swimming pool yeah. that was in near Forest Park High School. And I can't remember the name of it. It's right off Garrison. And the school was there. And I remember staying at my cousin's house. And we would sneak in the swimming pool every summer night. <laughs> Yeah. And but I could never climb the fence. Oh, man. and I remember I was like, I'm not going in there. I can't. I can't get out. How yeah. you guys can get in? And I remember the year I did be able to snuck sneak in this summer, yeah. sneak in the pool. I was like, I made it now. So it's funny. Yeah. I'm thinking about that now about the swimming and hopping in the pool late night. No, you shouldn't have been there. Now let me tell you how small Baltimore <laughs> is. That that was either Park Heights Elementary or it was. Uh, I think Langston Hughes, it, one of those two schools. My aunt was the principal of Langston Hughes. <laughs> my mother was the principal of Park Heights Elementary School wow. for a while. So wow. she probably she's probably the one to chase you out when you got it. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. That was, that was yeah. That oh my that good childhood. You know, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I love asking that question because we all have just amazing, we all have different ways we grow up, and I like to ask people about that. Gives a little bit of the personal side of them. So you've already said you went to the University of Maryland. Yeah, went to City High School. Mm -hmm. All right, so. After like college, 
When did, let's go best rewind. When did you know you wanted to be in TV? I know you went to the school at University of Maryland. You didn't go to Syracuse. I mean, it's, I know, it's I know. Bad. Listen, I've, I've worked with Syracuse people. <laughs> I know y'all are die hard. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I went to Maryland. But TV found me, man. Okay. I um, <laughs> The funny story about TV is that I had gone to school. I knew I was going to be a pediatrician. There was, there was no question about it. I was going to be a doctor. I figured it out. I don't know if it was the Cosby show that did it. I don't know if, I don't know if it was because my doctor, Dr. Blake at the time, was a black man. And maybe I saw I don't know. But I had it in my heart. That's what I was going to do. Uh, then I took organic chemistry. And then I took organic chemistry the second time. <laughs> then I took organic chemistry the third time, and I realized, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Uh, and so, like, there was, you know, now I can laugh at it. It was, it was, it was a kind of a dark spot for me because I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I mean, I'm sitting here in college. You know, my friends are starting to graduate. My father was an administrator there at the time. Uh, he never mentioned my grades. He never, and I'm sure he knew. But I think it was one of those things where you got to grow up and figure it out on your own. So he, he let me figure this out. Um, and I ran into some really good people in the journalism school. Not only did I have some credits that would apply, but there are things about this job that I thought I could do that. And I, and I always enjoyed, like I was inquisitive. I, well, I was nosy. Um, and um, there were things about TV that I liked. There were things about journalists asking questions and knowing things before other people knew. Um, that I liked. I was like, can I turn this into something? Um, and it did. Like, I think that I had a lot of good people behind me to reinforce that just because, you know, biology and science didn't work out, um, there are opportunities uh, for you to still be great or to at least succeed. And so I think without them, man, I, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. So who was the person who said, listen, yeah. I think you should be on. T I think you should do journalism. Like, where yeah. you know, were you were you a BJ? So did you, you switch over to BJ to broadcast journalism, or were you at TV? Like, was it television, radio? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was uh, broadcast journalism. Okay. That's what my, my major was. Um, two women who really helped me out. One is deceased, is Lee Thornton, a uh, black woman who was a trailblazer uh, in TV, and then Sue Copen, who was on television and radio here in Baltimore, still is, and does some freelance work now. Uh, and they believed in me. Uh, at a time when I just wasn't sure, man. Like, there were times when I I was very hesitant to even call home because I wasn't sure where my story was going to lead. Um, and then they, they just gave me this confidence, and I just I ran with it. You know, I worked for the radio station there for a little bit. Um, I wrote some, some articles for the Diamondback newspaper. Uh, and then I was like, I think I know what I'm doing. I don't know if I was great at it, but I knew how, I knew the, the skills that I needed to pull it off. And I just needed the time to cultivate it. And I'm, man, I'm, still, I'm still stealing from Stan Stovall now. And, and, you know, and, and stealing from Jamie Costello now. And, and Mary Bubala and Kai Jackson. And all those people came before me because I know they know how to do it. Uh, and, and so and, and I, there are a number of names I'm forgetting. So don't think Deb Wien, I forgot about hey, you. We're not, hey, he's not forgetting about you. Trust me. He's not forgetting about you out there. Um, but, you know, it's just I've been blessed to be surrounded by good people. And I think it, I owe it to my parents, two educators who just pushed uh, not in your face push, but I think by seeing their example, um, I knew what greatness looked like. Who was so you say so the two women helped you? Were they your mentors in college? Yeah, I would I would say they are, and, and Sue still is. I still I still ask Sue questions uh, on I say a monthly basis over Twitter or phone call or whatever. Well, she may see something I did, and I can tell that it's something that um, I think that she's proud of. I hope, um, but we you know we talk enough that um, I consider her not just a mentor but a close friend. I love it. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We can learn a little bit more about Mr. Jason Newton. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty about him moving out to Milwaukee, how was it doing out there, leaving, leaving Baltimore, and we'll get into all that good stuff. We'll be right back with these messages for us. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails 
and mouth-awarding cuisine, from falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday, and serving brunch Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. And folks, we are back at the No Picks Air Dark Podcast with Mr. Jason Newton. It's been a pleasure hearing his stories, and we're about to get into a little bit nitty gritty. So, you graduated from college. Okay. Did you have a job graduating from college, or did you know you already, it was like, you know how most seniors are like, yeah. skating, they're like on eggshells. Did you already know you had a job, or were you waiting? I was one of the lucky ones. When The day I graduated, I knew I had a job. I had gone and, and interviewed uh, in Salisbury, Maryland, small WBOC, a wonderful station, but, but very small. Uh, they had all the toys you could need with editing. They had a helicopter. It was, you know, it was great, but it was, it was a very small market and very small paycheck, too. I remember, to show you how old it is, they faxed the office to my parents' <laughs> house, and my father looked at the numbers, and he looked at me. He's like, you sure you want to do this? Uh, because, I mean, I, I'll be straight up with you. It was, I think it was $15,000 was the contract. That was it. I know. Look at your face. You want me to say it again? Say that one more time It was for the 15 folks. grand. I mean, when we went to go look for apartments, I mean, we were looking at subsidized housing. I mean, we were looking at all kinds of stuff. And eventually my parents were like, well, I'll help you out. Right. But that's how, how dedicated I was. Like, I had to try this, man. I had to try it. Um, you know, win, lose, or draw. This is a, I'd study for it. This is my second go round in the major. We're going to try this thing and see what happens. Um, and Salisbury was great. It was, it was essentially grad school for, for journal, for me and my job. Uh, it was a chance to mess up and, and fix it. It was a chance to meet some guys who had been there for a while, like Steve Hammond and Steve Summers and, uh, uh, Spicer and, and all of them, um, and learning from them and, and picking out the, the craft. Um, you were talking about trials and tribulations in my mind. I quit that, I quit that job three times probably. Um, there are things about the job that are tough. You know, you, you don't understand how many doors you're knocking on of, of unknown people, or you don't know how many car wrecks you're going to go to, or, or how many tragic stories might be like your own, maybe. Um, but then there are those great stories that you tell that people don't know. I knew, I knew nothing about farming. You know, I didn't know anything about Waterman. Um, I didn't know where Deal Island was. And I, you know, and I lived in the state, so it was, um, it was seeing things and discovering things that I had no idea about. Uh, and the one that really got me, so I was there at 9-11, and mm. base, the mortuary is at Dover Air Force Base, and I was living in Dover at the time. Uh, and I can remember 9-11 happening and seeing the video, having no idea really what was going on, and then I went outside in a military town in Dover, and every street was there. I could have skateboarded down the middle of uh, Route 13. I mean, it was just, there was no one. Uh, and then the eerie feeling of seeing those planes land because you knew what was on those planes. Like you knew that there were, you know, there were bodies on that plane. And then as the war started, that, that kind of thing going on as well. Um, so it built a crust, man. Like you built a crust and, and understood that people live differently or even as different as we are, we have the same woes or the same, the same things to get excited about. Um, going to high schools there and kids are learning how to use cameras and stuff. Like that was a joy. And I was still young at that point. I was like, I got something to give. Um, so yeah, so Salisbury was like you were. I was I was the I was the puppy in the cage and ready, you know, to, to go out in the world. Um, and I that was the most valuable experience I think I had in my job. So let's talk a little bit about nine eleven. You were living yeah. in Dover. I mean, you were a young reporter at that time. Yeah. How was I mean that had to change your life as a reporter? I mean, were you covering at Dover at that time? Were you? I mean, everybody was it was all hands on deck. Yeah. But do you think that changed your career path as far as how you looked at things differently? 
It definitely made me understand how important individual stories were. So yeah, 9-11 is the huge story. We're all going through it. We all understood what happened, what it meant to us. But it may have meant something different to the farmer whose son just enlisted. Or it might mean something different to um, the, the gym teacher who had been in, in the service and had just gotten out, was itching to go back in because of that, you know. Um, or for young kids who just didn't, they swore that they were watching like a movie or something and see these planes go by. I remember going to the mall there in Dover and they decided to have sort of like a memorial. This is the day of. Uh, or it may, it may, I'm sorry, it may have been the day after. Uh, and all these people come out with signs and stuff right outside the mall. There was no, like, organizer. There wasn't a set program. They stood and they did the Pledge of Allegiance. They held hands. I think they sang some hymns and stuff. Uh, we were stretched thin. I was shooting my own story that day and then ran out to a live truck that was miles away to set up the camera to be able to do it. Um, the current president, uh, who was now, was then the senator, he came flying in on a helicopter to a brief interview and flew out some. I mean, it was just a sequence of events they were going on, and, and then at the same time, as a human being, I had to go home and sort of grieve myself, you know? And I didn't, that's another thing I learned. Like, I didn't know that I was supposed to grieve about it. I thought, you know, I do it, I tell you about some, you know, something horrible happens, I hit the reset button, I come in the next day. I was drained by the end of that week. Uh, you know, you, you see so many things. And, and, and I had a friend in New York, I remember reaching out to them and like, are you guys okay? And the phones weren't working the first day. So, it, right. so you're living it and you're working it. Um, and so that is a day. I still have my timesheet from that day. I still have newspapers from that day. Um, just so I can remember, you know, what it, what it meant to me. That every, every box for that week was filled in with the time that I worked, Sunday to Sunday. Uh, and they're all over 10 hours. Um, Physically, I didn't feel it. I mean, I, I, I knew I had something to do. I knew this was momentous. Um, but mentally, by the end of that week, man, I was like everybody else. You, you were sunk. You had, no, you had nothing left. Wow. Thank you for telling, sharing that story yeah. with us. That, that's, that's wild. You, you know, my emotions started to rile up thinking about that time. Every time. Every time <laughs> I think about that, it's like, wow. Just, yeah. and we'll, we'll go a little bit further about that another emotional time that's okay. happened in the world. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you. There is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harper Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m., or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. You leave Salisbury. Where, yeah. where, where, where do you head next? Well, when I left Salisbury, I went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, sequence of crazy events, and I thought that maybe um, there were other opportunities for me besides news. Um, I learned, I want to put it delicately, I learned <laughs> how much of a business that it was. No fault of anybody's, it just was a business. Uh, and I thought, all right, well, I have something else to give. So they were starting up a unit there that did PR for UMES, but also taught kids how to use cameras and tell stories, which is right up my alley. I'm a son of educators, and I thought, all right, great. And so I spent a semester there teaching kids to use cameras, and they were telling stories. And they, you know, uh, departments would come and say, hey, you want a video about, I don't know, quadratic equations? Can you come do something with the math department? You come and do something with that. So it was great. And I was teaching kids how to do voiceovers. Uh, but I wasn't ready to sit in an office yet. <laughs> uh, I just was not. I could not. I could not stand the quiet of it. I couldn't stand. In the newsroom, we're always walking around and talking and exchanging ideas. That didn't happen. Uh, and so it was time to get out. Um, and I loved UMES. They were wonderful to me. Um, but Milwaukee came. I got an agent in Milwaukee came calling. 
Um, my picture of Milwaukee was the plane would land and along the field, along the airstrip would be cows and <laughs> cheese and Packers uniforms and all this other stuff. And you land and it's Baltimore. Mm. I mean, it's essentially Baltimore, a waterfront, um, a thriving downtown. Um, Milwaukee has a, uh, and they'll admit it, a bit of a segregation problem. I mean, people, people had their pockets, um, but there was a central meeting point where I felt like there was some melting going on. Um, but, but it was a very familiar kind of city. Um, and it, it felt, the vibe of it felt good. Um, the, the Bucks weren't, weren't the Bucks that they are now, but people were behind the Brewers Stadium, was great, and going there, and you drive up the road to Green Bay and got to see Brett Favre play a few times. Um, there was something about the energy there. But then I also came in with, you know, something in my toolbox. Like, I, I, Salisbury had really prepared me, so I was ready for all the things that had me down in Salisbury. I was ready for it, man. So, you know, bring it on. But it was just, I had never left home. Salisbury, I could still drive home. None of my family had really gone to. I had a cousin who lived in Dubai, and that was about it at the time. Um, and so I remember my parents, they drove out with us. Mm. And we just had a baby. had a new dog, too. Uh, and that was, that was heartbreaking to see my mother get back on the plane because, we, you know, like, I, didn't, I didn't know what this was like. And that was another awakening. Like you can do it away from home. Like, you know, there's kids in Baltimore who, who have been on the west side and couldn't tell you anything about the east side and, and vice versa. Right. Um, and there's something about that experience of being someplace else, of just going to D.C. and seeing, oh, the traffic light's a little different. They're on the side. Mm -hmm. Or going to Milwaukee and, oh, they sound a little bit different. Or, you know what I mean? Or, or they're, you know, their snack foods are cheese curds. What's that? Um, <laughs> there's these little, like, there's little, a chicken house on the Eastern Shore. What is that? These little experiences that you add to your, I don't know what you call your repertoire that you'll carry with you. Um, and nothing, there's nothing wrong with home, but there is something cool about experiencing other things. I mean, I've been to Milwaukee a couple times. My uh, younger sister went to a school called Concordia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on the water, and um, she was going for pharmacy school. Okay. And I had never been there myself. And I remember I got there, and I was like, this is like a regular city. This is Milwaukee. <laughs> right, it's a right, city. Like, right. And, you know, it's funny you say that. It's, um, I mean, they were, they were just building the new Buck Stadium. Okay. That's yeah. the court. They are just building that. And um, isn't I, I liked it up there. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I mean it was different. But it does remind you of a smaller Baltimore yeah. vibe and feel. And, like, everything on the waterfront. Yeah. And just, like, they had the festivals down there on the waterfront. There's always a festival. Yeah, yeah. My only gripe is when we got there, it was fall changing to winter. Oh. And I swear to you, man, it felt like every Monday was a blizzard. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. But they clear the road so well that you don't even know it. Like, schools never close. Office never close. Well, imagine, imagine going to Syracuse for four years. Oh, well, you know. All right. So, you know. You know, I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got you. It was cold every day. So, so, with how was it adjusting? You said you just had a brand new child at that time. Yeah. Um, married at this time? Or, yeah, we were married. And you leaving everybody behind. You have a free babysitter. You're leaving now. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you adjust to things like that? How does it, your family adjust to it? You know, it wasn't easy. It's, it's interesting and hard and emotional going to a spot where you know nobody. Um, and you don't know, you know, the right restaurant to go to or what bus to catch. And you just, when I got my, I had my interview, um, they offered to give me a, a cab to the station. I said, well, no, I'm gonna rent a car and just drive around. And mm. I think that helped. Like I could, I, I could see neighborhoods that I liked and, um, like, you know, I saw this place of Firo's pizza and I had that. I was like, okay, this is all right. I can, this is my pizza joint. Um, but it took a while, man. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, there were some, there were some first two or three months. It was just us. 
you know, mm. go to work, we sit in the living room, you know, we'll, we'll try to explore a little bit. And then over time, you get to, you meet people. You and I were saying before we came up here, I always say to my kids, like, if you can't go to the neighbor's door and ask for sugar or the newspaper or whatever, you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, and so we tried to, we live in a duplex, so we got to know the people downstairs. Then we got to know the people next door and formulate some friendships. Some of them are lasting right now, some I don't even know where some of those people are. Um, but I think that was the difference maker in making a foreign place feel like home. And it's, I, I have no problem calling Milwaukee my second home. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Hey, um, <clears throat> so what do you remember from Milwaukee? Like, what's the things that stuck out that you're like, you're always tell a great story about Milwaukee, like that? Or, or, or a story uh, you covered in Milwaukee that was like... Oh, that kind of story. Whatever, well, I'll, whatever I'll give you, you I'll give you a couple of things. Okay. One, as far as the people go, I can remember walking down the street and just trying to figure things out. And someone stopping, like, hey, you good, man? You know where you're going? Or, you know, you know what? This is that building, whatever. Like, people just... They sensed that you needed help, and they would, you know... We would talk it out. And then we'd end up talking about kids or whatever. East Coast may not be like that. No. <laughs> it no. might be eyes to the ground and I just need to get my stuff done and then I'm going my way. And so that was that was interesting to have that exchange. Um, there were a lot of cool stories. I remember I was there when Favre left and that was fun to cover because, you know, the, you know, we were following a plane and he ends up the, the, the tail of the plane had the, uh, the Vikings logo on it and that was, a, that was a cool back and forth to see that happen. Um, there, there, was, there, were, there were so many good ones uh, and unfortunately I'm old and my brain is not going to operate to get you some good ones. Um, but for me, it was just, the, I think the people is what made the difference to me. Like there, there were people who I had zero in common with uh, <laughs> and to this day, I may talk to them on a monthly basis. Um, there are guys there who I would consider, you know, I'd give them my last man. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're good friends. And so, um, yeah, I, I think the people is what made the difference for me. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at foundstudioshop.com and explore delightful selection of gifts for the holidays. Handmade jewelry, ceramics, cards, and more. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for your shipping or local pickup at 4337 Hartford Road in Northeast Baltimore. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com or come in for an in-person browsing. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information, on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at indowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. Got you. So let's talk a little bit about Baltimore. How do we get, when you saw something was open or somebody, your agent called and said, hey, there's an opportunity to go back home. How do you feel about that? Like, what was your reaction? Like, when they, <laughs> when they, when the agent, whoever called you, and then after you get the phone call saying that you got the job, yeah. how was your reaction? So take us through that process. It was tough. With the the little known stories, that the, the second call is the one that I accepted. The first call came that I was anchoring in in Milwaukee. I I was in the rhythm. I really loved it, um, and I was reporting and anchoring at the same time. And the first time I came, the job that was offered was a reporting job, and I was scared that I would never get a chance to be behind the desk again. I love reporting. I'd, I'd prefer to do both. 
Um, and it was a tough decision, and we went back and forth. Um, and I felt, all right, well, I'm going to try the trajectory in Milwaukee and just see maybe, you know, maybe I could be the guy there. Um, and so it was, it was hard to call back to, to Baltimore after a great interview and say, I just, I just don't think it's right for me right now. And that was tough, and I never, t- I never told my mother about it. Uh, <laughs> and then the second time came maybe a couple years later, and uh, it was an anchoring job. It was on the morning show. Mindy, I knew just from watching, there's good people, and Stan Stovall, you know, you know him um, you know, for years of being there. And so now I felt like it was the right thing, and that was ear-to-ear smile. There was no doubt I wanted to do it. I remember calling my mother, just hearing her joy, my father and his joy, um, cousins who, you know, and, and really um, high school friends who, you know, we, we would see each other once a year and calling them, like, coming back, man, um, and be able to go to City Poly game again. And, and uh, just all the things that you're able to do that you had to watch over Facebook happen mm-hmm. and to now be part of it um, and to be among those people again and then see faces that you thought you would never see again. Um, that, I think that's what made me smile. Like, that was the excitement. The job, I can do a job anywhere, but to be amongst um, some old friends and good friends, like people who I knew when I would drop in, I would have my back, regardless. Um, that was the joy. I feel the energy. I feel the energy. Oh, I feel man. The, I, I feel the energy. I, 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 I can, can name feel, all of them. I man. can feel the energy. <laughs> so what year did you come back to Baltimore? What year, what year was that? So I think I'm in year seven now at BAL. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So was it hard for you to cover the uprising? So you were here. Oh, when yeah. I had, how was that? Because you are a son of Baltimore. And you saw that happening live on TV. Yeah, listen, man. Because you weren't you were you were off at the time, right? So I was at home at the point. At that point, I was living with my parents. Okay. Uh, and I have to tell this because it'll choke me up. But I cried that night. Okay. I cried watching them loot the store, not because the you know not because I felt like oh they're doing wrong to the city and not you know I cried because I knew I knew what that pain was like for him. You know what I mean? Like it was to see it just devolve like that and. Um, but the flip side of it, and through it all, and I always say to people, what makes me happy about those years was the voice I feel like young people have now. I, I don't think I was strong enough to speak up at their age. I think that I was accepting of what an adult told me is, is what has to happen. We do it, and that's how, that's how you survive. But I had opinions, but I was like, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to say it. Um, and I feel like young people have found a way to use those that that time in our history to decide, you know, whether I agree or not, you're going to hear my opinion. Um, and so you see Erica Bridgefords come out. Um, you see these young people did a, a ceasefire, uh, the youth ceasefire group this weekend do things. Um, you, you've seen um, kids at school even have some walkouts where they come back to school, but they're going to make a point that we care about this. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to school. Um, the most beautiful thing that I saw was after everything had gone down. We were, da- we were at Penn North. We did the, the show live from there. And to see the variety of people who came to help clean up, old, young, black, white. I saw private school and in, in, in public school. Mm. I saw people from out of town come. I saw frats. I saw, I mean, you name it. And it was all for one cause, you know. And they, they, they met there and they sang at one point. Um, there was a, a vibe of things are going to be different. Mm. It's going to take a long time. I mean, come on, with anything. Anything in life is going to take a while, but when you have the young ones speaking up without fear, that's what changes it, uh, and that's what changed me. Uh, I, lo- I love hearing that story. Thank you so much again for sharing yeah, that. I really appreciate that. And then the next thing I'm going to talk about a little bit is, again, another emotional moment in the world, because, again, we've all covered it. George Floyd, with everything going on. How was it as a black anchor, like, take covering that story, 
reason why I asked because it was very hard for me as a podcaster when my fellow black podcasters were saying, Aaron, you got to speak up. You have the audience. You have the crossover audience. And I just had no words to say at that moment. Um, and I remember I just wasn't, a, I, I mentally was not in tune at the world at that point. I had to go yeah. to work. And I just couldn't mentally put myself into that place of talking about it. Um, you're on TV. Yeah. How does it, how, I mean, the show got to go on, but oh, mentally, yeah. how did you navigate that whole process? I mean, that, that's another one of those moments, man, where I, I remember crying through it and for a number of reasons. I've never watched the whole video. I, I have, to this day, I've never seen the whole video. I have no desire to. Right. Um, I know how it begins. I know how it ends. Um, I think that I feel like there has to be and there has been a reckoning among all of us. I think that we are blessed to live in this world together. Not of our choosing. Here we are. We have so many similarities. We have so many differences. Um, we, we want happiness for our family. We want us to be clothed and fed. Uh, we may pray to the same God or a different one. Um, but we can only be better if we're better together. Uh, we, you know, we talk about bad apples and all. But okay, fine. We are, we are people who want to survive together. And that's what I get from it. That's what tears me up. Because I know that, that the, there's some people who don't feel that same way. Um, there's some people who might be selfish in the way that they um, view the world and themselves. You can be selfish all you want, but that circle closes and closes with you. Uh, I'd prefer in my lifetime to see each of us understand each other's struggle. Uh, we don't know what happens when people go home. We don't understand the struggle it is to put food on the table for some people. Uh, we don't understand what the difference is when you're the first to go to college or you might be uh, the first to have a full-time job um, or for a lifetime you've been struggling and finally you made it. Um, I think that we all have to appreciate what each other goes through. Uh, I have a best friend who's a cop. I have an uncle who's a retired cop, the deceased now. I have friends who are not cops. I, I, you know, I understand that we all have a job to do. Um, so why not work together to figure things out? I'm just working on a story right now. A, a police officer from Baltimore, he was doing this thing, helping kids with sneakers. He would buy them sneakers. Mm. And then he took a young man to a, to a boxing match as well. We got to understand each other and understand where we're living. We all need someone in front of us, I feel like. Um, and, and I don't want you to think I'm dodging the, the Floyd question. There's just so much to it. But what I, what I gather from it um, is that I think that we need to live a little while in each other's shoes a bit um, and, and find a way that our communities can be helpful. I love this whole idea about when you call 911 for a, um, a mental uh, issue, a behavioral health issue. It doesn't always have to be a police officer that comes up because that may not be the solution. Maybe the solution is, is figuring out what we can do to help this person so that call doesn't come again, so that he is safe or she is safe. Um, so it's all about just finding new ways um, to make us appealing to each other, to work with each other, to understand each other. And I think that that is the goal from all of this we've been through. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, just, you know, we're, I know you got, he's a busy person, so we're going to round, round the corner here. So, you know, how I had people ask me, how is the morning crew? That was one of the questions <laughs> that a couple of people yeah, asked. Yeah, yeah. Is, are you guys really in tune with each hey, other? Man. Are you guys really that friendly? Like, are you guys that cool? Because people are like, I had people like, does he, does it really happen? What you see is what you get from all of us. No, I don't think there's anyone that you're like, oh, that's an act. 
Mindy is just what Mindy is. She, she's, uh, she'll give you the straight facts of the news, but she'll also laugh along with you, and we'll have a good time. When we're laughing, it is genuine. Ava is a scientist at heart, but she has a good time uh, and, wants to, and wants to be uh, correct and accurate, um, but she wants, to, wants you to enjoy it along with her. Lacey is sharp at traffic, like what you see there, and she's sort of a utility knife. So you, you ask her to, to anchor, she'll do that. You want to report, same thing. Theo, the same way. Jen, the same I mean, everything you see from us on television, there's not one of us I'm like, oh, she ain't. That's fake, man. Uh, that is what you see is it. And we are family. We've been to we've been to funerals and weddings and and you name it, events with each other, out to dinner, out for drinks, whatever. Um, and I think that's why we're successful, regardless of what the numbers may show. I don't know if we're first, second or third, whatever. But I think that's the success of that show is that we know each other and appreciate each other's families. Uh, I know all the milestones. I know who has kids in high school, who has a newborn, who, you know, and I think that's. That's what makes us a good team. That's great chemistry right there. Yeah, like, man. You, you see it on TV. It's real. You see it. Now, how long did you not see your coworkers when COVID? Were you guys working from home? Were you guys- yeah, that was tough. I was in the studio the whole time, but they separated us. Okay. So uh, I don't know the exact number, but let's just say there were 30 people in the mornings before. I would knock that in half to what it was once we were in there. I don't know the exact number, but I mean, it was skeleton crew. Um, so I didn't see coworkers for like a year. I mean, there were some who never came in the building. Um, and they would work either, they would, they would work at home and then go meet up with like the photographer and go out in the story. Um, for us, we never anchored from home or anything. Um, I think Theo may have done it once and, and Lacey did tra- traffic from home. Um, but Ava, me, and Mindy were always there. And it was weird. <laughs> it was eerie. I mean, for an office where you're always, you know, slapping five and talking to each other, that kind of stuff, it was weird for it just to be us. Um, and so as people began to come back about a month ago, to see some faces, man, that you hadn't seen in a while, who had a beard and who didn't, uh, um, that was, it was fun to catch up. But it changed the way we worked. Right. That's what I was going to lead into. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now, do you think people be – and especially in the media, work from home now is has have companies looked at it differently. Like, sure. hey, we they, we did it for a whole year and a half. It was a little bit stressful, but yeah. we could do it if we need to. Yeah, I think that the idea that if we need to, we could is there. But I think that what we want is to be back in the community. Gotcha. That's what makes us different. I think that being able to in, in all in all television news really is that being able for us to be face to face and talk. I think the response I get to you, from you right now might be different from the response when you in your pajamas and I'm in mine. <laughs> and we're on Zoom. Zoom. You know what I mean? So I think that it is that it is being able to respond with laughter and not be and that delay isn't there. Right. Uh, you know, was that a good joke or did, was that a good question or you know? Um, and I saw. I think that's the goal, um, but I think the ability to be able to do it if I wanted to, um, uh, we can. Okay. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Remix Bar and Grill, located at 819 East Pratt Street, just north of Harbor East. Remix is a sports bar offering a sole food menu. With over 20 TVs, pool tables, outdoor patio seating, and private rooms, Remix is set up to be your premier downtown destination to watch all your favorite sporting events. Open from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Friday and Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday. Check out Remix Bar and Grill on Instagram and Facebook under at R-Y-M-K-S Baltimore for daily happy hour specials and weekly events. Remix Baltimore. So we're, I always do this the rapid fire. This is one right. of my favorite parts of the show. I love every part of the show, but you might sweat a little bit when that's okay. Hey man, All bring right. It. What is your favorite place to visit? Oh, my favorite place to visit. It could be anywhere in the world. Oh, in the world? Anywhere in the world. 
That's tough. That gives me too many. I love going to a Ravens game live. Okay. Um, there's nothing like the energy of the game. A good, you know, like a good rivalry game. That, that, that we call, I call it the nest. Yeah, the, the nest, nest, man. The I nest. love it. Flats or drums for chicken wings? As a kid, I loved the drumsticks. As an adult, I've come to appreciate and love the flats. I'm yes, all flats. Me too. Man. I'm all, I'm all, all flats. flats, man. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. I know it probably sounds bougie, <laughs> but I like the blue cheese. <laughs> Crabs or crab cakes? Crab cakes. Ooh, I know, ooh, I know, ooh. I know. Again, with the oh, bougie hey. Okay, yeah. so I mean, where do you go to get your crab cakes from? Then that's the, that's the question because I'm an oh. East Side guy, so I know where I go. The last place I went was GNM. Okay, Man. that's West Side. Yeah, I get West it. Side. Yeah, it was good though. It was good. Okay. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not at work? Um, I found cycling thanks to uh, some guys at work, which I enjoy doing. I'm not fast, but it's fun. Uh, in golf, I'm terrible at, but I love the solitude. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, do unto others as you do unto yourself. You want do done unto you. Um, I think that I try to treat people um, the best that I can uh, in hopes that it comes back. And what inspires you every day? Oh, the hope that my kids grow up uh, happy and healthy. And where can we find you on social media? Are you TikToking now? I'm scared of TikTok, <laughs> man. I've, I've gone through. I'm too old for that. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Well, Instagram, Twitter for the most part. I'm, I've, I've strayed from Facebook a little bit. Okay, okay. And we can catch you on every Monday through Friday. Yep. What time? 4.30 we get up. You get up early with us, 4.30 to 7 o'clock. Then a Sunday morning, 11.30, 11 TV. Hill. Hey, check them out, man. I'm so happy we made this happen. And hopefully we can do this again on his show. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Thank you, folks. Again, love, peace, and happiness. We're out.